Let's all stand. Let's have our men that will come and let's gather around the altar and take this service to the Lord. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit will exalt the name of Jesus and everything that is done today. Glad that all of you are here. Let's pray. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we thank you for bringing us together such as you have. We thank you for each one that is gathered here this morning. And I know, Lord, that you have something for every person in this room. So I pray today that you will work in our hearts, that we'll be open to what you do, that we'll be receptive to what you do. We just pray that you will just move. I pray for every person, every person. Let every one of us, Lord, be dealt with by you today. So lift up the name of Jesus and glorify and exalt your matchless name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Little chorus, his name is wonderful. All together now, let's sing. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus, my Lord. He is the several folk that are visiting with us today I want you to take a few moments get out of your seat shake hands fellowship one with another welcome our visitors
sing the chorus. Let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands toward heaven and praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands toward heaven and praise the Lord. Let's sing that chorus again. Let's just Let ushers come forward to receive her offering, and let me say I appreciate those that are visiting with us today, and we'd appreciate so much if you'd take just a moment and fill out a visitor's card. We'd like to send you some information this week about the church. If you were given a bulletin as you came in this morning, there's a little visitor registration card in there that you can fill out, tear off, and put in the offering plate. If not, they're located in the back of the pews. But if you would fill one out, we'd appreciate it so much. But good to have those that are visiting with us. And it's a real blessing this morning to see Joanne Wyndham back with us today. Joanne's over in the wing. Let's welcome her back. What a blessing it is to see her here. There was a couple of times when I visited Joanne in intensive care that I didn't think we'd see her with us, but what a blessing to see her back today. Let me just make mention of a couple of things real quickly. The Greeters Ministry, the classes, we are rescheduling those due to the weather last week and uh, even today, but uh, we'll send you out a letter this week to give you a new schedule. And then, uh, maybe this, I think there's been a little confusion about Carrie's shower. It will be today. It will be today from 2 to 4 o'clock in the Family Life Center. So mark those things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your blessings, and we do praise you for all that you've done. We are certainly unworthy and undeserving, but we thank you for what you've done. Now, Lord, may we give today give obedient to you, give obediently to you. May we obey you in, in the way we give and how we give. May our giving today be a reflection of our love and praise for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
about some things and I went to my dad and I was talking to him and I said dad what help me I'm concerned about these things and he opened his Bible to John chapter 10 and verse 27 and it says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand my father which gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my hands. And he said, Janet, where's a safer place to be than in your father's hands? And he said, nobody can take you out of God's hands. God has you in his hands. And he's protecting you and surrounding you. And you know, isn't that a joy? That was many years ago. But as J.C. sang, the anger still holds. We're still in his hands. 
His wings protect us. We're under his wings. What can the world do?
Let's open our Bibles to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Let me say what a blessing the music has been this morning. Amen? And every song has just been a good word to our hearts, and I appreciate every song and appreciate those who have ministered to us this morning. While you're finding your place, let me remind you that we will be observing the Lord's Supper tonight. It is the fifth Sunday, and it is our custom to observe the Lord's Supper on the fifth Sunday night. So let me encourage you to be here tonight as we gather for a special time of just thinking about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. So be with us tonight. Would you stand as we honor the reading of His Word? John chapter 1, verse 35 and following. I want to speak to you this morning on a find of a kind. A find of a kind. You find Andrew, and I love Andrew. He's one of my favorite characters in the New Testament. And you find him here making a wonderful discovery. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But notice beginning in verse 35. The Scripture said again, The next day after John stood, and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, been interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which has been interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. But notice verse 41 again. The Bible said, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. You may be seated, let's pray. And I want us to think about this find of a kind that was made by Andrew. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, we want to thank you now for speaking to our hearts this morning. And we want to thank you, Lord, for just warming our hearts with thoughts of who you are and of what you have done and what you can mean to every child of God. My own heart has been blessed. My heart has been ministered to. You've given me words this morning that have been a help to me in this service. We thank you, Lord, for those who have given themselves to serve you and are taking their talents and abilities and letting them be used of you. We thank you for that. Now, Father, I pray this morning that you'd open every heart to your word. It may be today that there are those in this room that have never made the discovery that Andrew made in John 1. And I pray today that they'll see and learn about this wonderful discovery. And I pray today they'll make this discovery and they'll do the same thing that Andrew did. Father, I pray you'd remind all of us of what you've done for us and what we did in trusting you. So I pray today that there'll be a word for every soul. So speak to us now. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me what I need now for the giving of your word. I submit myself as a vessel for that purpose, for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. 
When I think about the matter of discoveries, I think of many, many great discoveries that have been made by certain ones throughout time and throughout history. I think of Sir Alexander Fleming's discovery of penicillin. His discovery was actually an accident, for Fleming had been searching for a substance that would kill disease, producing bacteria. But it was not until 1928 that a breakthrough came, and really that breakthrough was an accident. The Scottish bacteriologists had grown stout bacteria and, and petri dishes, and then he had allowed the cultures to remain on his bench while he went away on a brief vacation. And when he returned, he found that mold had contaminated some of the dishes and that where the mold had grown, the bacteria were destroyed. And the contaminating mold was penicillium, a rare organism that the laboratory on the floor beneath Fleming's lab had been growing. And so Fleming figured out that penicillium mold produced an antibacterial substance, and he named the substance penicillin. Fleming was later knighted in 1944. He was given the Nobel Peace Prize in 1945. And his discovery is considered one of the greatest of the 20th century because his discovery led to the saving of countless of lives. And I think all of us would agree this morning that was a great discovery. But yet our text in John chapter 1 tells of the greatest discovery that has ever been made. It tells of the greatest discovery that can ever be made. It is a discovery that has been made by teeming thousands, and it is a discovery that is being made day after day and week after week. The discovery that I speak of is the discovery of Jesus Christ as one's own personal Lord and Savior. You could call this discovery a find of a kind. I want us to look at the text this morning, and I want us to find Andrew making this discovery and there are three things about his discovery that I want us to notice. First of all, I want you to think about the discovery that Andrew made. There was the wonderful discovery that Andrew made. You notice in John 1 that he said, we have found. Andrew is talking about a wonderful, wonderful discovery. I was reading an article just the other day about how since the year 1500, nearly one million vessels, one million ships have been lost at sea. Some of, the, some of the vessels, we know the exact spot where they went down. But there are many, many more that sank without leaving a trace of their whereabouts. And the article told of how many of these vessels sank were carrying great treasures. And some of them were carrying coins of gold and silver to pay their crew at various points of the trip. And the article went on to state that so much gold and so much silver had been lost at sea that nearly one-fourth of all the gold and silver that had ever been mined was resting somewhere in a watery grave. And I thought about if it was possible, if me, if I, or if one of you or all of us together were to somehow discover each of those lost treasures and recover all the wealth that had been lost at sea, it would not be as great of a discovery as Andrew made in John chapter 1. For you read in verse 41 his wonderful discovery. For the Bible said, He first findeth his own brother Simon, and he saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. Andrew made the statement in verse 41, We have found the Messiah. What Andrew was declaring was that we have made a wonderful discovery. Now look at this discovery for just a moment. And let me point out two things about his discovery. For one thing, you see in verse 35, or beginning in verse 35, the search of Andrew. 
In verse 35, you read of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had been preaching. And there are two disciples that are referred to in verse 35. And you hear John the Baptist declaring, Behold the Lamb of God. Now verse 40 tells us that one of these disciples was Andrew. And after John made this wonderful proclamation that Jesus was the Lamb of God, Andrew and another disciple, the Bible said, followed Jesus. And you read in verse 38, Then Jesus turned, and he saw them following, and he saith unto them, Now notice this question. Seek is a very interesting word, a very enlightening word. It is a word that speaks of a search or a quest for something that is missing. It is a word that describes someone searching for something that has been lost or again something that is missing. Now Andrew, as you know, was a fisherman by trade. And I kind of believe that Andrew was a fairly successful fisherman. His fishing business was a family-owned business. His brother and others were involved in it. So I think we're safe to assume that his business was fairly successful. But in spite of his success, it would appear that there was something missing in Andrew's life. Jesus said to him, what is it that you are seeking? And again, the particular word that Jesus used was indicate that he was searching for something that was missing in his life, that he was searching for something that was missing in his heart. Now here is Andrew now, and he's following Jesus, and he's searching for something, he's seeking for something, something is missing in his life. Now, Andrew's search reminds us of how this world is full of people. If they were absolutely honest, and if they would be honest with me or be honest with you, they would have to admit something is missing in their life. I think of a national magazine that featured a picture that had no caption. And in this picture, it showed a group of well-dressed and apparently well-to-do men and women, and they were all staring at the same thing. But every face displayed anxiety. On every face was fear or unhappiness. There was not one smiling countenance that graced the 20 or so faces. As you looked at the picture there, you got the idea that some tragedy had grabbed their attention. Since the photo's background indicated a city street, the picture left you wondering if a serious traffic accident had occurred in, in front of them and they were standing there looking at it. Or it left you wondering if there were some other a tragedy that had occurred that had left them looking the way they were looking. Whatever the case, it appeared from the picture there was some disaster before this group of people. But yet the background behind the photo was there was no accident and there was no tragedy. For a newspaper photographer on his way to an assignment came to a busy downtown intersection. And waiting across the crowded street, he was struck by the expression on the faces of those on the opposite side of the street that were also waiting the cross. There was no accident. They were merely waiting for the traffic light to turn green. And though their dress reflected prosperity, their faces mirrored the unhappiness that was within. You see, that photo reminds us that this world is full of people whose outside is no reflection of the inside. On the outside, everything appears to be great. And on the outside, many of us would look at them and say, they've got what I wish I had. But on the inside, there is an inner poverty. On the inside, something is missing. Many are like the despondent man that went to the London doctor, and he was seeking help. And the doctor suggested that he read an amusing book. And the man said, doctor, I have tried that, but it didn't help. 
The doctor then suggested a lively concert, but the patient again replied that he tried that, but he didn't help. And then the doctor said, what you need to do is laugh. He said, you need to go down and hear Grimaldi, the famous clown. All of London is holding its sides, laughing at him. And the visitor sadly looked up and straightened up and he said, but doctor, I am Grimaldi. You see, there are so many in this world. On the outside, everything looks good. They have everything that the world would evaluate with success and happiness. But on the inside, there is something that is missing. The millionaire Jay Gould said, When dying, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. For a lot of times, we think that if we have this and we have that, then that's what brings happiness in life. But many have a good job and they have a good family and they have a nice home and they have all the necessities of life, but yet something is missing. Some have great wealth like Jay Gould, but yet something is missing. Again, he said, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. The essayist Charles Lamb once remarked, he said, I walk up and down thinking I am happy and knowing I am not. You see, this world is full of people like Andrew. Something is missing. Something is not there. There is a huge hole in their heart. There is a void there. Something is missing. That was the search of Andrew. But look at the second part of the story. You not only see the search of Andrew, but you find the satisfaction of Andrew. For you find in verse 41, Andrew declaring that he had found the Messiah. And when he made that statement there, and when he declared he had found the Messiah, he was declaring, I have found that which has been missing in my life. Jesus said, what is missing in your life? And there was this moment with the Lord, and later Andrew is heard exclaiming, I have found him, I have found the Messiah. Andrew is saying, I have found that which I have been seeking. I have long been a lover of Civil War history, and I think about a book entitled Glory Road. It was written by a man by the name of Bruce Catton. And when Bruce Catton wrote the book to honor Catton, the, the Benzie County Board of Commissioners in Michigan named the, a stretch of road running by the author's property Glory Road because of his book, Glory Road. So they named the stretch of, high, the stretch of road Glory Road. And when Catton took a walk up Glory Road, he found posted on the side, uh, posted on it a sign that read, Dead End. Well, I think about how many have thought the glory road, what they thought was the glory road, turned out to be nothing but a dead end. Some have thought power was the glory road, but it turned out to be a dead end. Some thought that popularity was the glory road, but it turned out to be a dead end. Some thought that pleasure was a glory road, but it turned out to be a dead end. But I say to you this morning that everyone that has ever found Jesus Christ has found the real glory road. And they have found in Jesus that which was missing in their life. Augustine was right when he made the statement that man was made for God and he will not rest until he rests in God. You listen to me this morning. The only real joy you ever have in life is in Jesus Christ. And the only real peace you'll ever find in life is in Jesus Christ. And the only real satisfaction that you'll ever find in life is in Jesus Christ. I mentioned Uncle Buddy Robson a couple of weeks ago. I love the way he put things, and it's kind of like he put this. He said, the Lord Jesus can take an old guilty sinner, clean him out, fill him up, and send him out in a flame of love and glory, 
and can put his neck under the yoke of burden and under the bow of promise under his neck and the man can pull all day and lie down at night and not know that he's even been hitched up. Well, what Uncle Buddy was talking about is that knowing the Lord is not a burden, but there is a satisfaction. There's a joy and a contentment in knowing Him. Andrew said, I found Him. There's been something missing in my life. I have searched for something. But now Andrew is declaring, I have found Him. I have found what I have been missing. Andrew made a wonderful discovery. And if you've ever made that discovery, you know exactly what Andrew was talking about. But look at something else in this story. Not only do you see Andrew's wonderful discovery, but you also find Andrew's wonderful decision. For you see Andrew's statement, we have found him, implies that Andrew had made a decision concerning the Lord. He had not only made a wonderful discovery, but he'd also made a wonderful decision. Let me elaborate on what I'm talking about. For one thing, there was Andrew's acknowledgement of Jesus. John the Baptist had been declaring, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And Andrew had heard that. Andrew, something was missing in his life. And so he hears about this old Baptist preacher down on the riverbank, and he goes down listening, searching and looking, and he hears him declare, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And we read that when he made that announcement that Andrew followed Jesus, and we read in verse 38 that when Jesus asked Andrew what he was seeking, he replied, Rabbi, which has been interpreted master. Andrew was acknowledging that Jesus was who John the Baptist declared him to be. He was acknowledging that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He was acknowledging that Jesus Christ was the Master. Verse 41, Jesus or Andrew even called Jesus the Messiah. He was acknowledging that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He was acknowledging that Jesus was the Christ. You see, there was acknowledgement on Andrew's part. Now listen to me this morning. We know that Jesus Christ is the most wonderful discovery that a person can make. But you realize this morning that not everyone acknowledges Jesus as a great discovery? Even though Christ is the only way you can have real joy, not everybody acknowledges that. And even though Christ is the only way you can have real peace, not everybody acknowledges Him as that kind of a discovery. And even though Jesus is the only one that can bring real satisfaction, and even though there are many that are missing something in their heart and life, they can't put their finger on it, but yet they fail to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the answer to what is missing in their life. There are those who acknowledge Him as a great teacher. There are some that would acknowledge Him as a role model, but not acknowledge Him as that which is missing in their life. I think of Thomas Paine, the infidel. Thomas Paine who fought the Bible. Thomas Paine who fought God himself. But even Thomas Paine acknowledged, and I quote, that morality or the morality that he preached has not been exceeded by any. I think of Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson did not believe in the miracles of the Bible. He did not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even Thomas Jefferson went as far to say that Christ has given to us the most sublime and benevolent code of morals that are ever offered to man. You see, both of these men recognized him as a great moral example. And both of these men recognized him, recognized him in light of his influence upon time and history, but neither one acknowledged him as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
Neither one acknowledged him as that which was missing in their life or would meet that which was missing in their life. I think about a large stone that lay in a brook in North Carolina for years. It had been there as long as people could remember. But day after day, people passed that large stone laying in that little shallow brook, but nobody thought anything about it, just another stone. But one day this poor man walked by and he saw and he thought, no, that's exactly what I need to put on my porch to hold my door ajar. So he carried the stone home and there it sat for years on his front porch being used to hold his door ajar. But one day a geologist stopped by the poor man's home and he noticed the large stone. But instead of seeing a large stone, he saw the largest lump of gold ever found east of the Rockies. I think about how many have seen Jesus Christ and they acknowledge Him in many different ways but fail to acknowledge Him for who He really is and what He can do in life. He is a good teacher. He is an excellent moral example, a worthwhile role model. But Jesus Christ is much more than that. He is the answer to what is missing in life. He is the answer to what is missing in your heart. He is the answer to what may be missing in your life. There's a vacuum there. There's an emptiness there. There is something missing. Andrew said, there's something missing in my life, or there was, but I have found him who has met that need of my heart. There was the acknowledgement of Jesus by Andrew, but second of all, there was the acceptance of Jesus by Andrew. For notice verse 39. He, that is the Lord Jesus, saith unto him, Come and see. Now notice Andrew and the other disciples' response. They came and saw to get it. There was an invitation from Jesus, and there was an acceptance of that invitation by Andrew. You see, Andrew not only made a wonderful discovery, but Andrew made a wonderful decision. Now listen to me this morning. Jesus Christ is the answer to what is missing in your life. Are you listening to me? He is the answer to what is missing in your life. And maybe you're trying this and you're trying that and you're going here and you're going there and all your, the, the whole thing about it all is that you're wanting to be happy and you're really wanting your heart to have peace and contentment. But I want to remind you this morning, none of those things will ever bring joy. Jesus is the answer to what is missing in life. But he cannot feel that emptiness until he's accepted. We begin our faith classes on Thursday night. And faith, it's a process and a way of presenting the gospel using the letters F-A-I-T-H. And every letter stands for something. F stands for forgiveness. And A stands for available. And when we present the gospel using the letter A, we are stating and telling them that the forgiveness of God is available to everyone. But we make the statement, but it is not automatic. That God will forgive everybody and that forgiveness is available to everybody, but there is something that a man must do in order to be forgiven. And Jesus Christ is the most wonderful discovery that an individual can ever make, but there is something that you must do in order for Him to be that in your life, and that is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Now, I've made many wonder, I've made many very important decisions in my life, but none of them equal to that decision that was made that Sunday morning in 1972. I not only made a wonderful discovery, but I also made the most wonderful decision I've ever made in my life. 
And I'm sure this morning, you that have made that decision, there's not one regret in your life that you made that decision. I've never met anybody that regretted making that decision. I have met those or heard of those that regretted not making the decision. And I've even read about those who regretted that they did not or had not made that decision earlier. I was reading not too long ago about the great baseball player Ty Cobb. And all of you sports fans will recognize that name. The Georgia Peach, one of the greatest baseball players that ever played the game. Had a lifetime batting average of 367 and was a batting champion for nine consecutive years and the first man to be voted in baseball hall, baseball's Hall of Fame, getting seven more votes than the great Babe Ruth. But I was reading about Ty Cobb. He died July 17, 1961 at the age of 74 at Emory University Hospital in Atlanta. But shortly before Ty Cobb died, one of his friends, Charles Outlaw, they'd been friends about 50 years, Charles Outlaw got his pastor to go with him to Emory to visit Ty Cobb. And he wanted him to talk to Ty Cobb about being saved and his relationship with God. And on the very first day, Cobb asked him if they would come back the next day. But before they left, the pastor read to him the 10th chapter of John that Janet referred to a moment ago. And he read him that 10th chapter and said, I'll be back tomorrow. And he went back the next day and he began to talk to Cobb about Jesus and how Jesus had come to save sinners and of his great love for all men. And he told Ty Cobb how to be saved. And that afternoon, Ty Cobb accepted Jesus as his Savior. I want you to listen to something Ty Cobb said just before he died. He said, you tell the boys I'm sorry. It was the last part of the night that I came to know Christ. I wish it had taken place in the first half of the first. Ty Cobb was said on his deathbed, my only regret in the decision I have made is that I did not make it many, many, many years ago. Many may regret not making the decision. Many may regret not making it early. But nobody will ever regret making that decision to come to Christ. It is the most wonderful decision that you could ever make. It is a wonderful discovery. Are you listening to me? Andrew said, I have found him. I have found that which meets the needs of my heart. The deepest longing of my soul has been met in Christ. And he made the decision to accept him. A wonderful discovery and a wonderful decision. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. But look at the third thing in this story. And I can't close without commenting on this. You not only see Andrew's wonderful discovery, I found him. And his wonderful decision, I have accepted him. But there was the wonderful declaration that Andrew made. How many of you remember the day you made that wonderful decision and that wonderful discovery. You remember that? I remember that day very well. I don't, I don't want to ever forget it. And I hope if I ever lose my mind down the road, that'll be the one thing that I don't forget. I don't think I will. Hope not. But I remember the day I made this wonderful discovery. And I remember the day I made this wonderful decision. It's April the 2nd, 1972. I was 16 years old at the time. But I remember that Sunday morning, that Easter Sunday morning, when I made that wonderful discovery and I made that wonderful decision. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to tell somebody about it. And the first thing I did was I went home and it's Easter Sunday and all the family had come up and, and many of them had gone to church with us that morning and mom had stayed home to get dinner ready for the family. And I went straight home, and the first person I told was my mom. I wanted her to know what I had done that morning, and I wanted her to know what had happened in my heart. And then I made a beeline to the little old drive-in. 
about a quarter mile from the house where a lot of the friends and the teenagers got together and I rushed up there and went in and told them what I had done and told them what had happened in my life. I was so excited and I was so happy. It felt like that morning that God had lifted Lookout Mountain off of my shoulders and filled my heart with a joy that I'd never known before. I was so excited I wanted someone to know about. And it was no different with Andrew. Notice in verse 41, you see, first of all, that Andrew found his brother. The first thing that he did is he first findeth his own brother and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. I read a story the other day I thought was interesting. It was about a king of Syracuse by the name of, of, uh, by the name of Hiro. And Hiro wanted to wear the biggest crown in the world. So he called in this goldsmith, this famous goldsmith, and he gave him 10 pounds of pure gold. He said, I want you to take this and fashion it into a crown that shall make every other king want it for his own. And he said, you be sure that you put every grain of the gold I give you and do not mix any other metal with it. And true to his word, 90 days later, the goldsmith brought back a beautiful piece of work. And everybody declared it had to be the most magnificent crown and that nobody had, its, nobody had its equal in the world. He put it on his head. It was very heavy and uncomfortable, but he didn't care because he knew that no other king had such a fine headpiece as he had. Well, after he, he took it off his head, he looked at it from one side to the other side, he admired, admired it, and then he put it on his own scales and weighed it at exactly 10 pounds. But he had a wise man. And he showed it to the wise man, and the wise man looked at it carefully, and he studied it for a few moments, and then he said, King, can I ask you something? What if the goldsmith has kept out a pound or two and has substituted the gold or the, made up the weight by adding brass or silver? And suddenly the king got this worried look on his face, and he said, Do you think he maybe did that? Is there any way that you can know whether he, he put all of my gold in there and the wise men said, the only way to know is to melt it down. With such a beautiful crown, they didn't want to melt it down. And the wise men said, I know of no other way, no other way to prove whether or not it's pure gold. Well, the wise men kept thinking about that. He thought about it for days. And one day he was getting ready to take a bath. And this big bowl or tub was filled to the very edge with water. And as he stepped into it, a quantity of water flowed out upon the stone floor. And suddenly... His mind began to spin. He thought, how much water did I displace by getting into that tub? He thought and began to reason, anybody can see that I displace a bulk of water equal to the bulk of my body, and a man half my size would displace half as much. And he thought, now suppose, instead of putting myself in the tub, I put Hiro's crown in it. And he began to figure it out. Gold weighed more than silver and gold. He thought if it's pure gold, there's a certain bulk of water that would flow out. If it's not pure gold, there was a certain bulk of whatever. And it hit him. That's it. And he jumped out of the tub and ran out the door, didn't even think about getting dressed, and started running down the street tra straight to the king's palace, shouting, Eureka! 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 I found it, which in English means I found it. And he ran straight to the kingdom. They eventually tested the crown and found out that he had not used all the pure gold. But I think about Andrew. Andrew had been searching for something in his life. Something had mis been missing in his life, but he found it. And when he found it, he ran straight to his brother shouting, Eureka! Eureka! I have found him! I have found the one that has made a difference in my life. You see, Andrew wanted his brother to know about the wonderful discovery he had made. 
He wanted his brother to make the same discovery and make the same decision. How many of you have made that wonderful discovery, wonderful decision? When I think about that wonderful discovery I made, and I think about that wonderful decision I made, I want everybody to make the same thing. I want them all to make the same discovery. I want them all to make the same decision. I want all my friends to know about it. I want all of my family to know about it. I want everybody in this neighborhood to know about it. I want the whole, every person I meet to know about it. I want the whole world to know about it. You see, what I needed and what you needed is what everybody else needs. And what we found is what everyone else needs to know. It's a wonderful discovery. I mentioned a moment ago Fleming's discovery of penicillin. And, uh, but as I said earlier, it's one of the greatest discoveries in the 20th century because it literally saved countless of lives. But there's another side to the story. When uh, Fleming was giving his Nobel Peace Prize, when he received the Nobel Peace Prize in 1945, he shared the prize with two other men, Howard Florey and Ernest Chain. And there was a reason why three men shared the Nobel Peace Prize. You see, when Fleming made his breakthrough in 1928, he did very little to pursue the possibilities that penicillin presented. He was not a chemist. And not being a chemist, he failed to fully understand what he discovered, and apparently he had no clue that he'd stumbled on the magic bullet that would cure terrible diseases. And so Fleming turned his attention elsewhere, and research in penicillin was ignored for 12 years. It was not until 1940, following the outbreak of World War II, that interest in Fleming's discovery was revived. Howard Florey and Ernest Chain, two, two, two bacteriologists, read a paper Fleming had written and began to work with penicillin. And it was largely due to Florey and Chain that the effects of penicillin was made known and penicillin was made available to thousands of soldiers who no doubt would have died had they not received the injection of the first antibody. And I think about the wonderful discovery we have made and the wonderful decision we've made, but there are many that have made this wonderful discovery and many that have made this wonderful decision that are not even aware of how great the discovery is and how great the decision they have made. And there are many that have made this wonderful discovery and this wonderful decision, but yet they're taking it lightly when all around us there are multitudes that need the same thing we've got and the need to find him that we have found, and they need to make the same wonderful discovery. Like Andrew, we ought to be running to our friends and running to our neighbors and running to our family, saying, I have found him. It was the eternal destiny of literally millions depend upon me and you letting them know about it. He found his brother. But look at Matthew 4. Not only did he find his brother, but he followed his Savior. Look at Matthew 4. Sometime later, Andrew, after he made his wonderful discovery and decision, he met Jesus again. And this time we read in Matthew 4, 19 that Jesus said to Andrew and his brother Simon, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Look at it, Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you to become fishers of men. Look at the response in verse 20. And they straightway left their nets and they followed him. You see, this discovery they made was so great and the decision they had made was so wonderful that it was worth the committing of their lives to that everybody else know about it. Are you listening to me? They made such a wonderful discovery and made such a wonderful decision, it was worth the committing of their lives to 
that everybody else know about it. I clipped out a little article, an Associated Press article out of the News Free Press, Chattanooga News Free Press a couple of years ago. And it was told, talking about, and the article told about the hastily transcribed telegraph message that was sent by the captain of the Titanic just hours before the luxury liner went down. And the message that was sent that night was chilling in its simplicity. It simply read, we have struck an iceberg. But the article told how it was one of, the message was one of 52 messages that were being auctioned at Christie's auction house. And the estimated value of the message was between somewhere between $6,700 and $9,300. When I read that, I thought, we have even a more valued message to share with everyone we meet. It is a message that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. It is the message that He is the one that can fill the emptiness in your life. It is a message too valuable not to tell. It is too wonderful not to tell. It is too wonderful not to commit our lives to that everybody might know about it. It's a wonderful discovery, a wonderful decision, but a wonderful discovering decision to tell about. (laughs) I'm sure everybody here today is familiar with the name James Bond. And I wouldn't think that James Bond or James Bond movies are great role models, you know, in church services, whatever. (laughs) Would you agree? But I think about one of his movies, the one from Russia with love. And in the movie, James Bond's friend has captured the enemy. And he has the villain tied up in a chair And he's holding him for a few hours while Bond rescues the leading lady. And while he's waiting with the villain that is tied, his friend settles in for a bit of mischievous torture. And he looks at the enemy and says, I have led a fascinating life. Let me tell you about it. I think about the wonderful discovery that I have made. A discovery that met that which was missing in my life. A decision that I made in 1972 that literally changed my life. I want to tell you about it. I want to tell everybody about it. I want to tell everybody that Jesus Christ is the answer to the need of your heart. Jesus Christ can meet what is missing in your life. And as believers, we that have made that discovery and we that have made that decision, we want to tell it. Amen? Stand our feet, please, our heads bowed and our eyes closed. It's a find of a kind. It's a find of a kind. I have found him, Andrew said. Andrew said, I have found him, that which I have been searching for and that which has been missing in my life. I have found it in Jesus Christ. Many of you across this room today can remember the day when you made this wonderful discovery. The day when you made this wonderful decision. And you know what Andrew was talking about. For that day, Jesus met what was missing in your life. Do you know what? There's a possibility in this room today there's some that's never made this wonderful discovery. Something is still missing in your life. And if you were honest, 
with me or anyone else, you'd have to admit something's missing in my heart, something's missing in my life. On the outside, everything may look good, but you know down on the inside, something's missing. You really don't have joy and peace. Oh, there are moments of happiness. And some days are better than others, but down deep in your heart, something is missing. That's what Andrew was saying. And Jesus said, what is it that's missing? And Andrew said, can I go home with you? And he went home with Jesus. And it wasn't a little while. He comes running down the dusty road shouting, Simon, I have found him. I found him that met what was missing in my life. Simon, I have found the answer to the emptiness in my life. I found him. And he wanted Simon to know about it. Simon, you got to know him. you got to know him. And he brought his own brother to Jesus. There may be some of you today in this room, maybe somebody here today, something's missing. I want to point you to Jesus Christ. I want to point you to the only one that can give you real joy. I want to point you to the only one that can give you real peace. I want to point you to the only one that can give you real happiness. I want to point you to the only one that can save you from your sins. And when we sing in the moment, if you're in this room today and you have never made this wonderful discovery, man, woman, boy, or girl, it matters not who you are or where you're at in this building, I want you to come today. Why don't you make the same wonderful decision that Andrew made? Jesus said, come, and Andrew went. Will you make that same decision today? Will you come to Christ? Will you accept Jesus Christ today? Every person across this building, if you've never made that discovery, will you come? Will you come to Jesus? When we began to sing, all you have to do is get up out of your seat and walk down here, and there'll be people here with their Bibles, and they'll take the Word of God, and they'll show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus and how you can accept Him, how you can be saved. Not only find what is missing in your life, but receive eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven one day, all of these things. If you'll make the same wonderful decision that I made in 1972 and the same wonderful decision that many in this room has made, the same wonderful decision that Andrew made in John 1, will you do that today? And then as we, just before we pray, I speak to you as believers. You have made that wonderful discovery. Now don't, don't keep it to yourself. You have made a wonderful decision. Tell everybody about it. Let everybody know about this wonderful discovery. Let everybody know what has happened in your life. Tell them about somebody that can meet every need of their life. Tell them about somebody that can give them eternal life. Tell them everywhere you go. Tell them what you have discovered. Tell them about the decision that you have made. Acts 1.11 talks about being witnesses, and the word witnesses is a legal term. It speaks of somebody that has been subpoenaed to court to give a testimony about something they know about. And being a witness for Christ is merely telling everybody about what you have done, telling them what you did to get saved and how you can be saved and what Jesus will do for you. That's what we're talking about, and I encourage you today to tell it. Father, this morning in Jesus' name, if there's anybody in this room today that has never made this wonderful discovery, bring them to Jesus. Bring them to you today. May they be saved.
bring them to you that they might make the same wonderful discovery that I made years ago. Bring them to you so that they today help them to make the same decision that Andrew made and that I made and many, many others in this place made. I pray today they'll come to Jesus Christ. Men, women, boys and girls, visitors, whoever it might be, if they've never made this discovery, help them to make this discovery today. Oh, blessed Lamb of God, you are the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. May you be acknowledged for who you are and may you be accepted today. May some leave this building today that were not able to say it when they walked in, leave today saying, I have found him. May they find this find of a kind. May they make this marvelous discovery today. I pray you move, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.